welcome in to your championship week episode of the Blue and Orange Football Podcast. We have somehow managed to make it all the way to NFC AFC Championship Weekend this weekend. Um, we got a lot to cover. I am your host, Jacob Roach, over at Roachism13 on Twitter, joined as always by my co-host Isaac. He's over at Isaac10G on Twitter. And we're just going to jump right on into this because we got a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. So um, we're going to get into the Browns game. We're going to get into the Browns season. Uh, We're going to get a little bit into the Giants season as well as we're going to do our top five moments. The two of us will go over our top five moments. We'd love to hear your top five moments as well. So hit us up on Twitter. Um, I I did want to give a little bit of a programming update. Um, So everybody understands this week we are covering uh, last week in the conference championship games some some hires that have happened next week. We're going to kind of focus on wrapping up the Browns and Giants season as there is not a game as we wait for the Super Bowl. Um, We are not going to turn the table to free agency or the draft until after the Super Bowl after Super Bowl wrap up talk. Uh, Me and Isaac talked about it earlier with the uncertainty of the uh, salary cap, we don't know where that salary cap is going to go. It's going to really, really, really change things depending on how low it goes, especially if it drops all the way down to the 175, uh, which is the minimum, the farthest it can go down. I have heard a lot of talking heads seem to believe it'll be in the 180. So it won't be quite that nosedive, but it's still be a nosedive. But the Browns and the Giants will be sitting very pretty if that's the case. And you're looking at teams like the Saints who might be $100 million over the cap. that are just trying to mortgage talent. We will get – that's why we can't talk about free agency. Free agency affects the draft, so we're not really ready to, to talk about that till we get a little bit closer. Um, I will give you – what I think the Browns need to do in the first round because of what I think they could do in free agency. I'm just not going to talk about specific targets because uh, we, we discussed this. We're just not going to talk about specific targets right now because we just don't know how much money we have. So that being said, um, this is what I'll say. I'll say this. Divisional round uh, was in- interesting. Uh, that that Baltimore uh, – Buffalo game was really weird. It just it felt like not a lot happened. Uh, that that roughing the passer call, or and I'm sorry, that uh, intentional grounding that knocked Lamar Jackson out was weird. But I'll leave it to you. Divisional round matchup. We had four games. You tell me what was you. What did you think was the game of the weekend, uh, and why? Honestly, personally, I think the Browns um, and the Chiefs were the game of the, was the game of the weekend, and I say that because I think ninety five percent of football fans didn't really give the Browns a fair chance to even be competitive in that game, right? Yeah, and you know, at the beginning of the game, it, it, it was rocky. I mean, the Browns weren't moving the ball, but as we watched, the Browns got in the rhythm. Their defense started playing pretty well, and the offense started moving the ball. And unfortunately, we see uh, we see Patrick Mahomes go down and get injured. Um, uh, just kind of a, a three play. It wasn't a helmet to helmet or anything. It looked more like he got choked out on his way down from a tackle more than anything. Mm-hmm. 
they came out and said this week um, that it was less a concussion situation, but more of a nerve in his neck. Yeah. Um, but look, as we talked about before we started the show, Andy Reid going for it on fourth down with his backup quarterback is a testament to the respect that he had to the Cleveland Browns. And it was an exciting game because the Browns legitimately put themselves in a position where they could potentially win the ball game. Um, and a lot of people weren't expecting that. So to me, that was probably the best game. I was more invested into that game than anything. Uh, but it really comes down to look at where the Cleveland Browns are at compared to where they were even at the beginning of the season and especially last year. Yeah, the New Orleans games and the, and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was a good game to watch. But I don't think he grabbed the attention like he did with uh, Cleveland and uh, Kansas City. You know, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll jump right on in. We'll do our little bit of a Browns talk a little before we – when we move to our top five, I wanted to start off this podcast and I just wanted to say thank you to the Cleveland Browns. Um, in a year that was tumultuous to say the least, we watched it. And, and thank you to the players that risked their health and their family's health during this pandemic to give us football. I mean, I know that you and I talked about it. There was a point when we weren't sure we were going to get it. Uh, especially the whole season. And so like, thank you. Uh, thanks. Thank you. Kevin Stefanski who got pro football, uh, the pro football writers associations coach of the year award today. Uh, he deserves all of the coach of the year awards. That's my opinion. And you can't convince me otherwise. Brian Flores was like there for a while until he just crapped the bed against uh, Matt Barkley yeah, yeah, they couldn't do anything when he didn't have Fitz Magic to Fitz Magic it, right? So I want to say thanks. Uh, as a fan, I saw a season I never thought I was going to see. I saw you clinch the playoffs by beating the Steelers, and it was their backups. I get it. Then you went out and dismantled the Steelers' empire. That's what I think happened in that wild card game Sunday night. They dismantled the, the Steelers' empire. And then you were... You lost by five. You had a chance. Uh, you couldn't stop Chad Henney on a third and 14, which just shows you how how much we need so much defensive help. So very much. So, are you shit? It was Patrick Mahomes. It's okay. I get it. But it's, it's freaking Chad Henney, dude. So, yeah, but in their defense... Who would have expected Chad Henney to try to run for fourteen? Yeah, to run for fourteen yards. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, not me. I, I, I did not know this. So Chad Henney started week seventeen. It was the first time he had played in like since twenty fourteen. I want to say when he played uh, when they rested Mahomes in week seventeen this year. So you were within striking distance of the defending champs. We were playing with house money. Listen, it was a successful season when we made the playoffs. We won a playoff game. Then we got to play against the Chiefs. We were playing with house money, man. And this was all gravy at this point. You sh- that w- This was your opportunity. We talked about it on, on the show last week. We've seen it on uh, many podcasts out there. This was your opportunity to see what separated you from the playoff, like you are a playoff contender. Now, what separates you from the Bills, from the Chiefs, these the, the one and two seeds, these teams that we've heard people all year say are going to 
play in the Super Bowl or going to compete for the Super Bowl. Honestly, I still think it's Green Bay's to lose, but we'll get into that later. But you're close. You need a defensive secondary. Listen, Grant Delpit comes back next year. Uh, he was supposed to be a huge part of this. I think you could, if you can bring Carl Joseph back to be in the box and, and and help you with the fact that your linebackers are just butt, I think you can be good. Uh, you know, get Greedy Williams back, potentially, hopefully, a healthy Denzel Ward, and finally maybe Miles Garrett can get, uh, get healthy from his COVID situation. And we're going to be – we're going to be all right. But I just wanted to say that like that game was so much fun. And it was the first time that a loss, like, listen, it was my 30th birthday. And by my 30th birthday, I'm trying to sell you on our new head coach. Okay. (laughs) And this year I'm talking about our head coach as the coach of the year. We're going to get into some of these hirings in a little bit. I didn't know anything about most of these candidates and I don't know much about the draft because I don't didn't have to give a shit about it during the season. It's right. It's so it's outrage. Thank you, Cleveland Browns. Thank you for what you did. I can't wait to see you running back next year. That being said, we saw the end of an era. If you if Jay Glazer could be believed, it looks like that. Philip Rivers did call it a career a couple days ago. I really hate that that old man Rivers couldn't get a get a ring. He he truly was one of the best. And we saw the end of the era uh, in New Orleans. It looks like Drew Brees is going to hang it up in, 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 in him and Tom Brady sat there and talked and threw passes to his kids on the field after the game. And that was a heartwarming moment. But uh, I got to ask you, I know we all know he's, he's one of the best, but uh, it, it was kind of sad, wasn't it? To, to know that that's probably the last time you saw nine sling it. Look, like I, I went through this, when Eli retired last year. And um, it's an end of an era, right? So the Eli Manning, the Philip Rivers, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady, that is our young adult and teenage growing up years. That's that's who we watched growing up. Those are the guys that made you love football, Peyton Manning, yeah. you know, those, those kind of guys. They're iconic. They're yeah. iconic to the game, just like Terry Bradshaw. Yeah. And... And Reno, they're iconic to the game, just as much as those guys. And Drew Brees it's helped to change the game. He helped bring yeah. five thousand yard passers to be a thing. Yep. And so seeing Philip Rivers and especially Drew Brees retire and walk away from the sport, it's a bittersweet feeling. Um, and you know, people, I guess, people who aren't true sports fans don't maybe not under they. They might not understand the sentimental value to seeing that caliber of player on a field with his opponent just 30 minutes prior sharing a one-on-one moment with his family, with Drew Brees' kids. That is truly something special to see. It really is. I watched that clip numerous times because I just thought it was so cool to see you know, those two guys who are very close outside of the game um, communicate with each other share, you know, thoughts with each other. And then Tom Brady um, throw passes to um, Drew Brees' kids. I thought that was awesome. And that right there is a testament to what we want the game to be like. What we want our role models in the sporting world to be like is to be like Drew Brees. Yeah. As much, I hate to say it, but to be like Tom Brady, yeah. you know, 
I dog on Tom Brady a lot, but it's not because I dislike him as a person. It's just, man, he wins a lot, and I'd like to, the Giants to win some. Oh, no. I, listen, I get it. I get it. Same like, with me. But you got to respect, you know, the skill. you got to respect the character behind the man. And the thing is, right now, name top three quarterbacks of our lifetime so far that we've watched play. That I've watched play. Uh I'm going to say, um, wow, that's really hard. Okay, I think the top uh, is Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Uh, that, for me, and you can make a lot of arguments to put other guys up there. And I'm thinking, and, and, I, and I love Aaron Rodgers, and I love Brett Favre, but it's probably Drew Brees because I'm an offensive guy. You know this. I love the running game and the passing game, and he, he really – became that first guy that threw for 5,000 yards. I remember he threw for like 500 yards in a game one time, and I'm like, is that legal? <laughs> like the first time he's that Rich, where's your flag? Sir? Where's your flag? He yeah. threw it more than 25 times. This is bull crap. And I, I asked you that question because I knew, you know, I, I knew you were going to have to think about it for a second, but I also knew who those top three were going to be, and it's going to be Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, and for the majority of the people out there, they're going to say the same thing. I, I have I have respect for Aaron Rodgers. I really do. But I'll be honest with you. I don't put him anywhere near Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, or Drew Brees to me. I, I think that, yes, he's probably one of the best. But there's just something about him that, in my personal opinion, separates him from those three. Um, maybe it's the character, maybe it's his presence off the field. I don't know what it is. It's not important because we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers right now. But nonetheless, Drew Brees was an icon to the sport. Um, and if he does truly officially announce his retirement, I hope that it's not the final time we see him in the NFL world. Um, but I, I am thankful. I really am thankful for what he's done um, for the NFL in general. I'm not a Saints fan. But I love football, and he has had a huge impact. How crazy is it that uh, Drew Brees, who ends up in New Orleans because of the drafting of Philip Rivers, retires potentially in the same season that Philip Rivers? It just yeah. showed you the Iron Man career that was Drew Brees. I mean, he's not. I think he's only a couple years older than than Philip Rivers, but he is. He's older. And they're retiring at the same time. So I just want to say thank you to Philip Rivers. I want to say thank you to Drew Brees. Had a lot of one of some of my favorite moments in the offseason are, wa- are watching Philip Rivers be mic'd up and say daggum and all this other crap that he's on there. And he, oh, he was the best trash talker, but he did not curse. He, he, yeah, he has the title of best trash talker. Um, <laughs> he did not curse it. Our touchdown spiel and after he got hit by the. Uh, Oh, I can't think of his name now. Oh, shoot. Yannick. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ngakwe. Yeah. So. And, 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 and he's, listen, he was amazing at trash talking, not at pulling out. Listen. No. Nine kids. Nine kids. No. Do you know about him? So. My wife said, is that the most kids that somebody in the NFL has? And I said, I think it is active right now, but I think there was a situation where there was some more kids. 
And I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure Philip Rivers has the most active kids. And I and I was I, there was something there was a story in the back of my head. And so I said, hold on, let me look it up. And it reminded me that Antonio Cromartie has 14 kids with 11 women. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just like, holy shit, you should still be playing playing so that you can pay child support. Yes, seriously, that's a lot of kids. So we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll talk a little bit. We So we've touched base on, on the Buccaneers Saints game. It was a heck of a game. I love the Bills Ravens game because, uh, well, because I hate Lamar Jackson in his face. Okay. Um, really, really just your two Sunday games were really the only ones that were much of a game because uh, the Rams just, the Rams just couldn't keep up with Green Bay and not really anybody can keep up. If, if Green Bay's defense plays like that, uh, this Sunday, it's going to be harder because it's 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 Tampa Bay. But uh, I mean, if they they hold up like that, I just don't see how you can pick the can't pick the Packers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes maybe, and Josh Allen the way he's slinging it maybe either one of them in the Super Bowl. But I don't know that Tampa Bay can can keep up. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just out of his mind right now. That's 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 the news that's going on in the real football world. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those championship games uh, at the tail end of the show when we make our picks. But it's pretty obvious that your boy is not hosting Super Bowl party this year. Somebody picked up another game, and there's only two games left. Maybe we'll just pick opposites just for funs and see what happens. Yeah, why not? Yeah, fuck it. So anyway, um, we're going to move on here. We're going to talk about a segment – I said I didn't want to wrap up the seasons yet. Uh, we had more football to talk about. I don't want to be a sore loser. Um, I'm not a sore loser, by the way. Uh, the Chiefs were a better football team. Andy Reid's a hell of a coach. Uh, I can't wait to watch them play Buffalo because I think that is going to be a heck yeah. of a game. I think we got really good games for Championship Sundays uh, Sunday this year. So we'll get into that a little bit more, but – I said, I said to you earlier today, I said, hey, let's talk about our top five moments. Let's talk about um, um, what we're thankful for that the Browns and the Giants gave us this year. Uh, next week, we'll try to wrap up their seasons the best that we can. We'll go through everything. I got, a, I got some uh, information from some friends and family about their favorite Browns moments. I'll, I think I will bring that up. Uh, next week, but I've got it all documented pretty well. I might go ahead and, and bring some of it up yeah, uh, after I get through my top five. So let's talk about our top five. Uh, most of the people that are here are here to talk talk about the Browns, talk about the Giants, because uh, that's our main focus on this podcast. Um, it was listen. I know the Giants finished six and ten, but I think I think where they were at the end of the season was not six and ten. If they had just been able to get there at the beginning of the year and win a couple of those close ones, if Evan Ingram doesn't have you know bricks for hands, it, there's a there's seven and nine right there. <laughs> there's there's at least one. There's one. There's at least. I, I'm, I'm saying at least. I mean, hell, there could be two or three. I don't know. So. We're going to start. We'll go back and forth. So for me, for you, number five in your top five moments of the 2020 New York football giants. Um, my five moment is, the, and this I guess wouldn't necessarily be regular season, but from the course of off now is the changeover of kind of the guard. We saw a completely new 
Giants organization, as far as coaching staff, come about with Joe Judge and the, the leadership team that he's put together. And I think, you know, yes, we're 6-10, and 10, but that record really doesn't show the progress that we've made from the uh, Pat Shermer era. And from starting 1-5. and five. Yeah, like I, I'm really, I really am. I'm really happy to where we ended, um, and we'll we'll progress through that as we go through my other uh, uh, my top four after this. But establishing Joe Judge, establishing that coaching crew, that was a turning point for the New York Giants. And you know, maybe we have a couple of new faces next year. Uh, we'll get into that next next week and the weeks to come. But I think some of the foundation blocks have been placed. And to me, that's a top, top, five moment because that's what you build success on. So, yeah, I mean, I I really am. I'm really excited for Joe Judge. I like the guy a lot. Um, And and his way of coaching, his way of building um, players, helping players find, you know, what they're the best at and using a player, you know, let's say, Let's say I'm a player, and I'm really good at skill set A. I'm really good on special teams, but I'm not that great on offense. I'm not that great on defense. Joe Judge has seen he's been able to prove that he can take any guy, find that spark of skill, put them into the right system, and that player perform to a high level. And I think that right there is awesome because I think a lot of coaches can't do that. You know, and I'll I'll piggyback off that. And I'll say this, that I heard this when you talked about the difference. I've heard this many a times out there, and I agree with it. The difference between a good coach and a bad coach. Now, a bad coach is someone that tries to conform players to his system. A good coach conforms his system to his player's skill set. And I think that's where you're – I think that's kind of what you're getting at there. Um, So I went – my top five are all – uh, plays slash games, but they have a kind of feel, kind of like what you're getting at. So my top five moment was Odell Beckham's 51-yard reverse for a touchdown to seal Dallas. And, and we get it that like Dallas eventually kind of fell off the map, especially once uh, Dak got hurt, and then they kind of make a rush back with the Red Rocket. But we weren't given a chance by anybody against Dallas. They were like, oh, yeah, they beat the Washington football team in, in the Bengals, but they got killed uh, against the, the Ravens week one. And and for even me, I was like, very optimistic, but I didn't know where we kind of stood in the hierarchy. And when they were able to put up the, those 50-plus points, when, when Dallas came rushing back, this is when I started to believe the same old Browns were dead. I wasn't quite there yet, but when Dallas came rushing back, you're like, okay, here come the same old Browns. We're going to lose this. We're going to win like six games this year tops if we're lucky. And that's only because we got kind of an easy schedule in the back half of the season. And and big big old cojones Stefanski says, Listen, OBJ is balling today. And he was. That was one of the best games. It's the best games I think he's had as a Brown anyway. And the best one he'd had in years, really. And and they said, listen, OBJ is balling in reverse. Give it to him. Let's just see. Like, obviously, he doesn't expect to go 50 plus yards for a touchdown, but he did that. 
and it and that was on the tail end of of Denzel Ward with a crucial interception that even though Dak was driving with 500 yards, he said, "No, Ben, don't break. These aren't the same old Browns." And I, and that's when I kind of went, "These might not be the same old Browns." And, and we'll get into that more later. But like that was the first moment when you knew that we weren't bottom tier anymore. What, what yeah. was that moment? So for me, that's five. <laughs> So let's, uh, let's pop on to, over to number four for the Giants. So number four to me, and this, this will probably shock you and shock any of the players, and hear me out when you just hear that I say top four moments on Barkley Um And I say that for this reason. I feel like before going into the game, for him being injured, and, and, and I want to preface this to say I don't, like that he got hurt, right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I, I hope he got hurt. That I, I'm saying I wish we had him the entire season, but there's a silver lining to this. Um, the Giants were very bad at the beginning of the season, right? Um, and I, I feel like at the beginning of the season, it wasn't a Daniel Jones team. It was a Saquon Barkley team. It was Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. And Saquon Barkley is a hell of a player. He's generational talent. Had some injury issues. Get into that later. But nonetheless, when Saquon Barkley, the Giants had to figure it out. The Giants figure out how to plug a hole and continue to move forward as a team. It was a rocky start. They were losing games. They had missed a huge playmaker, and that showed. But as the season progressed, they were able to learn a new identity. Daniel Jones went from terrible and me hating him to me hating that I didn't quite hate him as much to me hating him to me being like, well, if he does this, then we're good. I think Saquon Barkley going helps the Giants learn and develop their own recipe for success. Because once they went, you know, they, yeah, they started one and five, hit the bye week, they started winning games. Um, once they did that, they were in good shape, and I think that losing Saquon Bar helped them more than more than people think. Yes, it hurt them in the end. Looks like I understand that, but something like that, a team either grows or it's. And so, a lot of people listening will be like, "Well, we're wait, we're going to hear your top five plays." I get it, um, and there's some good play there. But look, we're six and ten, guys. I'm looking for things that help us improve and help us for next year. Yeah, there are some awesome plays. Um, if you want to play, I love Daniel Jones, 80-yard run where he falls on us. Love it. Good for that guy. Scores a touchdown, very nice play. We're good. But, if but, he doesn't yeah. score that touchdown on the next play, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, but that would be my top four. Okay. So, um, I like it. I respect it. I get it. Listen, like I've been that guy, you know, and like, like I said, you're talking about a culture change where a team that's just not been good for a while. You know, Ben McAdoo has that one year. And I think that was just because he had Coughlin's players, but you know, I get it. I get it. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm in a worse situation when it comes to culture change and we're getting to my culture change moment. It's a play, but it's a culture change moment. So number four for me is, is Baker's icing on the cake to beat the Cincinnati Bengals a second time when he threw his fifth touchdown to DPJ in the corner of the end zone with 11 seconds left. We talked about it. Not for one second did I 
really, really want to bail on Baker Mayfield prior to this year. At no point last year when the it got was bad. It was bad at times, really bad. I did not want to bail on Baker Mayfield. Week one, I still didn't want to bail on Baker Mayfield. I came on this show and I told you that Baker needed to let it rip. And he let it rip against Cincinnati. They win that football game. He still has some rocky moments here and there. First play of the game in Cincinnati, he throws a pick. OBJ tears his ACL. It was not Baker's fault. That's not what I'm saying. He throws it and you're like, and this was on the tail end of what he did. I told you after they got stomped by Pittsburgh, I said, listen, I'm not off the Baker train, but I have a foot dangling over the side that for the first time I'm worried. I said, for the first time I'm worried that that guy, that 2018 Baker is not in there. That fifth touchdown with 11 seconds over a dude in the corner of the end zone with a little bit of toe drag swag. Or when that happened, I said, that guy's still in there. Baker can be the dude. And as we know, Baker vehemently told us down the stretch, he was a top five quarterback for the last three months of the season, starting with that game. Baker Mayfield is the dude. And that was the moment I said, thank God, that guy is still there. And I know everybody said, oh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, guess what? He did it against everyone down the stretch. So there it is. That's top full. That's my top, my fifth and fourth best moments. We're going to hit our top threes here coming up. And my top threes are kind of all the same. They're a little bit rolled in. Uh, my actual number three is a twofer, but let's go. All right, Giants, give me a three. Here. My Giants top three. Look, you know, at the beginning of the season, we, we get some injuries. We got, we got brought in Devontae Freeman, and he was okay, and then he gets hurt typical, right? Um, we get through the bye week, and then all of a sudden, there's a name that we haven't heard in a while, and that's Wayne Gallman, right? And Wayne Goldman comes out and he starts putting up numbers. Yes, he did. So this is a tie into my top four. But I was super happy about Wayne Goldman earlier in the season of how thrilled I was. We had a legitimate run game for consecutive weeks with Wayne Goldman, who earlier in the year wasn't performing. And you watch press conferences of Wayne Goldman, and he finally, you know, he, he says, like, look, coaching staff took me aside and is like, this is your shot. Yeah. And that sparked something in it. And dude ran angry. It's good for him. So as we progress through the season and our offensive line coach gets fired and they bring in the consultant and the consultant takes over, we see a change. We see a change in the culture of the offensive line. We see a change in the culture of the running game. And we start being more successful, especially in the run rate. Not so much the, the quarterback. But Wayne Gallman will establish 100-yard games and touchdowns on the ground really, to me, helps solidify that the Giants continue. I, I, I have a theme here, guys, of, of progress, of building for the future. That's my top five theme. I think you guys have picked it up now. But we were able to do that with Wayne Gallman. Um, nothing discrediting Wayne. He's proving that he's a, a successful player. But me, that's important because we need to be able to do that with or without Saquon Barkley. I mean, you have to be able to do that. The, the Cleveland Browns, they're, they're 
they're the exception to the rule. They've got Green Hunt and Nick Chubb. Not everybody has that. You know, the last team that I, I remember having that big of a one-two punch is the New York Giants. Earth, wind, and fire, baby. Earth, wind, and fire, you know. That's the last time I've seen a running back duo to that. I'm not saying Saquon and, and Wayne Gallman are going to be, be that combo at all. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we had people step up when our star players yeah. after the coaches continue to instill faith and instill drive in these players to perform to the best of their ability. Because look, guys, we finished 6-10. and 10. There was a portion of that season that all of those players should have been like, what are we doing? Why are we playing? And just give up. I've seen teams where players just kind of like they go through the motions and they play the game, but they don't play. It doesn't seem like they're playing at 100. percent The Giants played at 100 percent until the very end. So, that's my that's my top three. Here's the thing: like everybody says, next man up. Everybody preaches it, but not everybody can back it up. Yeah. And you truly saw that both in New York and Cleveland this year where they, especially with COVID issues, like it happened. And not only did some of the next men up were better than the guys that were in front of them. And it just took that opportunity. I hate that it takes like COVID or an injury to do it though. Look at that guy. I can't remember his name. So please, please let me know his name. The guy that they, the Cleveland Browns signed off the practice squad going into the game. He, they signed him, what, on a Saturday, and he played on a Sunday, and he played... Blake Hans. Yeah. Blake Hans played some freaking left tackle on Sunday. He played left tackle on Sunday. The week before, he played some left guard, and, and Baker met him that morning. Yeah. And he didn't let up a sack in either of those games. Like to me, like those are like those are top moments because you're getting those guys. And like I said last week when we talked about this initially, yeah, pass off to the player. I mean, they put the effort out on the field, but there's a reason Mark and that energy got brought out into all of those players, coaching staff, and the and the environment has been established. Yeah, so that's going to feed into. Um Try to read this message. Um, I it's going to feed into my number three. My number three moment this year. Of course, I couldn't get much further without talking about Nicholas Jamal Chubb. In my number four moment, number three moment was the touchdown that wasn't against the Houston Texans. As we're up 10 to 7 in the winding moments of the fourth quarter in yet another nasty weather game that the Browns somehow managed to slug it out in. They won two of their three nasty games in a row. Should have beat, oh man, Nicholas Chubb against those those Vegas Raiders. He would have, what could have been. But anyway, he, he busts it out. He goes screaming down the sideline and then he thinks, and at the last second, he stepped out at the one-yard line so that the Browns could take a knee and end the game. And that was when you knew the culture was different. You had thought about it. You had wondered. You had seen these guys be different under Kevin Stefanski. You had seen them emulate their coach. He was never too high. He was never too low. Even when he had COVID, he did not want any credit. He wanted all of the blame. All year long, that is who Kevin Stefanski was. That is the best part about who Kevin Stefanski is as a football coach. 
Nick Chubb steps out at the one yard line. And ever none of us would have been mad if he scored a touchdown. None of us would have been surprised. And I guarantee every single one of us not named Nick Chubb would have scored the damn touchdown. He steps out. He talks about how that was what they had talked about. Baker had said that, you know, they had all talked about this. That's that was the moment. That was the moment that you knew these weren't the same old Cleveland Browns. That was the moment that same old Browns and later in the year, Mike Polk retired the folk, the factory of sadness, the great video that was 12 years ago. That's when you knew, Hey, this is different. Yeah. This is different. Uh, you know, that is the, that was a, that play showed the change from individuality to team. Yes. In one play. In one single play, ultra change from it, it's about my stats to it's about the team and what can I do to get that, get our team to the next level. And that's stepping out of the one yard line after breaking a huge run. Because, like you said, we're in that situation, we're running the end zone. Absolutely. 99% of everybody in the world is running it into the end zone. But not Nick Chubb and not the Cleveland Browns. That was the turning moment. I really do believe that. That's when they weren't the same old Browns. All right, top two. Here we are. We're going two. What's what's the second best moment this year for the for the New York Giants? Best moment to me for the New York Giants is the establishment of a solid defensive front line again. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson has probably established himself as one of the best defensive tackles in the league, right? And is going to become a staple in the um, defense. Now, as I go through it, it's not, it, 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 it's, again, it's play, play over seven, but it's the entire four season that he needs to progress in the year. Man, we saw him play really well. And what happened to that is we saw Leonard Williams seem like he was playing well. I was actually reading support person reports and some guys' takes on it. Um, and we were all talking is like, is was it Leonard Williams being really good or Alvin Thomason being really good and Leonard Williams being able to be productive off of that best? Um, personally, I think it's probably a little bit more Alvin Thomason um, being really good and Williams being able to capitalize on some of that. Not taking anything against the way against Leonard Williams. He had a good year. He really did. Better than he did last year, but not us. Those guys, it was super good, super nice to see a competitive defensive line and really a defensive seven. Well, Blake Martinez, I got that dude is a tackling machine. Let's not sell James Bradbury short either. Oh, I'm getting that. <laughs> so, you have a quality defensive line and not elite. I'm not saying elite, I'm not saying best in the league, but much improved. It's years past. We're building there again. That's the thing you're building. Progress, guys. Blake Martinez. Hats off, okay, to Dave Gettleman on a couple of free agent signings. Blake, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, good signings. Had great years. And then we get to James Bradbury. What a stud on defense. I'm telling you right now, that is one of the best defensive backs of the year. Um, was clutch in so many plays, monumental in some of the games of creating turnovers, him and Logan Ryan both. So 
hats off to Patrick Graham. Hats off to the coaching staff of the defense. Hats off to the players of the defense. Too many times over the season, it was the offense screwing ourselves over and we're relying on the defense to bail ourselves out. Too many times that happened. Um, but the defense kept their head up. James Bradbury played like a man. Blake Martinez played like a madman. Logan Ryan, I'm thankful they signed him on his extension. He'll be back as a veteran player. Again, things to look forward to. And as we saw the season progress, we saw that defense continue to find its form, find its mojo. We're going to have returning players next year. I didn't think that the Giants' defense is going to be a good one this year. I really do. They were good. They were very good. They were they were a unit. They were a full unit. They weren't individual good players. They were a full unit. So here we go. My second, and 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 my second moment could be my first. And if you tell me as a Browns fan it is your first, I absolutely will not argue with you. The play was called Maserati. The result was an 18-year playoff drought snapped. Burned. Thrown the hell in the trash. Baker Mayfield sweeps to the right for four yards. I think it was four or five yards. He needed three, I believe. On third and three, they run a quarterback sweep. And Wyatt Teller killed a man, by the way. And Wyatt Teller did that a lot this year. He killed lots of men on while he was pulling. It was it was fun to watch Wyatt Teller was Wyatt Teller pay that man. Andrew Barry, pay that man. So when Baker has the wherewithal to slide inbounds, Baker Mayfield was going to give his all. He was going to lower his shoulder. He was lowering the book. Baker Mayfield was getting the first down. Baker Mayfield was sending the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs for the first time since my old 30-year-old self was 11. Baker Mayfield... He made so many dreams come true on that play. It was I I nearly cried. I uh, may have cried. Who knows? You don't have any proof. I'm not answering that question. But we we're sitting in a situation where uh, it ended this drought. Um it showed that we're not the little brother anymore. I know it was against backups. We'll get to that on moment 1. Don't you worry. I don't care. How many times have the Browns played the Steelers when they were starting Duck Hodges, Landry Jones, RG3 couldn't beat them at the end of the year and they think they were starting their third string quarterback? I don't care who it was against. That doesn't happen for the Cleveland Browns ever. It happened. Baker Mayfield snapped the drought. Baker Mayfield is the dude. Zach Jackson, I think his name for like the a- a- athletic talking about should the, the if the Houston calls get the hell out of here. Baker Mayfield all day. He is the savior of Cleveland. I love him. He knows this. He probably has me blocked on Twitter because I won't stop telling him that. And that's OK. I'd understand. That's a little weird. I'm an older man. You know, like, I just, like he's like 25. Every Sunday, every Sunday, that was the moment, man. That was the moment. And it, it, it wasn't the top moment. We'll get to the top moment, but that was the moment that like all of these long, long, hard years, they felt like they finally paid off. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
seeing a, seeing your NFL team successful and making the playoffs is something a lot of people look forward to more than you know Christmas. Honestly, Let, let's be honest with you. If the Giants, while well, I was excited when the Giants had a chance to go to the playoffs at six and ten, or going to eat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I get, it. I completely understand. It's a crazy year. I'm sitting here kind of reflecting onto it, and especially with the Browns. Uh, Browns have the better season of the two teams. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, when we had a first podcast, we talked. And, you know, we're like, where do you see the, where, where do you see the Browns, the, the Giants? And uh, we all thought that the Browns were going to be better. You know, we thought that, we thought they were going to be a bit better than they were last year. Um but I didn't expect, you know, what they were. I gave them nine or ten wins and to get hosed in the first round. Yeah, I, I didn't expect them to be the competitive team that they were, and so it, it's just—it's really cool to see. It, it is. Um, it's been such a—it's it, been such a crazy year uh, for football. And we can go—we can go into our reflections of the overall season here in a little bit or next week. Um, but to, to get into my number one. Um, Again, the Giants season was a little lackluster, but the final week of the NFL season, to me, was a number one moment. Um, and I say that because the Giants put themselves, even at 6-10, and even with a terrible NFC East, the Giants put themselves into a meaningful game for the last game of the season. And they won. They won, they won that meaningful game. And that right there is the most impactful moment because I think I told you, you know, in our podcast that final week, it's like, look, yeah, we're not in the playoffs, right? I get it. But we had a meaningful game against a division rival and we won the game. We did what we had to do to put ourselves in a chance to be successful. We can get into Evan Ingram screwing our playoff chances all day long. I can have that conversation. I can't. I can talk about it all day. But we performed and won when we needed to. And I've dogged on Daniel Jones a lot, right? A lot. And am I right to say I love the guy? He's our four rehearsals. He's our franchise quarterback. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we I see a bye week pass. Um, we see Daniel Jones starting proving a little bit. I think we, we had that conversation. You asked me what did I need to see from Daniel Jones to not just like I'm done and pull the pull the cord. We started seeing all of. Them. Uh, we see Daniel Jones get hurt. You know, Cole McCoy has to. Come. We lose a game, we win a game, or we win a game and then lose a game, actually. We see Daniel Jones come back, and he's not the same quarterback. You know, he can't, he's not as mobile. He's, he's not running. If we lose a game, he has a bad game. He's not turning the ball over. He has, since the bye week, he has changed a little bit, and he's making better decisions. He's turning the ball over. He's not forcing things. And then with his injury, it forces him to step back and actually be a passer more than a run first quarterback. And he starts making better decisions. And he starts having legitimate numbers in football games against decent teams. And so am I saying he's a franchise QB? I'm not saying that yet. But I saw a huge improvement for for him through the second half, and it was consistent. Um, So I am willing to give him another chance. Likely I'm going to be forced to have to give that chance. He's going to be a starter next year. But nonetheless, I saw him improve. I saw the team win when they needed to win. And that 
excuse me, is a number one moment for me because so many years now I've been at games and I've seen the Giants find a way to lose rather than find a way to win. And yes, we didn't go to the playoffs. That's fine. We were six and ten. We were going to get in the playoffs and get it completely destroyed um, in the week one. But what it showed is that we know the recipe for success now. We ended the season on a positive note. Yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty hard. Pretty hard to argue with that. I mean, I get it. That's I completely understand it. And you put yourselves in a chance to win and possibly get in when you did your part. And you know, Doug Peterson doesn't have a job anymore, so that is what it is. So anyway, I'm looking at like by the way, Bill O'Brien OC down in Alabama, and like I think that uh, Saban just trolls everybody and he brings in these what people think are washed up bad coaches and gets them other head coaching jobs again. And I just love it. Cause Saban just doesn't give a shit. Well, he knows how to win, so. Yeah. Like Saban do whatever the hell he wants. So yeah. number one for me, it's in the, I, I went back and forth on the exact moment, but number one for me is watching big Ben cry. Um, making that stupid overgrown, dickhead cry yeah yeah you know 28 to nothing was nice 28 to nothing in the first quarter of a playoff game because uh ben's bad that was nice shutting juju up uh the fact that juju was salsa dancing towards the browns with two minutes left down 20 in a playoff game just shows you the culture problem that we talked about that's a problem in pittsburgh In Chase Claypool, don't get me started on Chase Claypool. He can say whatever he wants. But, uh, son, you got clapped. Cleveland never got clapped in the playoffs. We got clapped early in the year. So, like, I'm not saying that didn't happen. So, I believe we saw the beginning of the toppling of the Steelers' empire. Today... They signed Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, they're they're doomed. Today, we learned that they interviewed Hugh Jackson for the OC. And I want to give him some advice. This is some honest, pure-blown advice. I did a bunch of um, polling, and, and I learned that if you ask anybody in Cleveland, Cincinnati, or Baltimore, they will tell you that they think the best hire you could ever do would be Hugh Jackson and start Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I swear to God, that's what I heard. They're like, oh my God, that's smart. You win seven Super Bowls if you do it. So like, you should do that. But seriously, you should do that. That would be awesome. Like, you know, I'm the worst. Like, I'm going to be the worst all off season. I'm sorry. But I enjoy football. I, you know, I'm no football expert, but I do not see how hiring Hugh Jackson and bringing up Wayne Haskins is your magical recipe. Look, you know, I, I, I don't hate the Steelers like you do. Um, the Steelers, I'm not a Ben Roethlisberger fan. I'm not. When you say who's the top three quarterbacks of our you know generation, Ben Roethlisberger is not even close conversation. He's not, not even top five. Um, so I completely respect and completely understand um, 
your thoughts on that seeing Ben Roethlisberger, you know, realize that reign is over. He's probably leaving his career on a loss, an embarrassing loss of that to Cleveland Browns in the playoffs nonetheless. I get it because if I was in your situation, that too, my friend, be my number one. Interesting side note. Pittsburgh Steelers never beat Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Just saying. It's sad to have. Um, you know, from a, from a, uh, a not Pittsburgh Steeler hate <laughs> I said, you know, like I said, I dislike them. I really don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I cannot stand Chase Claypool or Juju Smith. I think they deserve everything they possibly get. However, I do. I do have some sort of respect, I guess, for Ben Roethlisberger in his probably younger years of what he's been able to accomplish as a quarterback. He's a Hall um, of Famer. Like, I'm not saying he isn't. Yeah. And he's a jerk. He has a bad attitude. Um, he's done some terrible things off the field. But, you know, he's been monumental to the game in the aspect of, you know, when you think before we got the Lamar Jacksons of the world and the mobile quarterbacks, you saw Ben Roethlisberger and his inability, not inability, his unique ability to extend plays. You couldn't um, bring him down, no matter what you tried. And, like, that was huge in the game. And, like I said, man, not, not necessarily supporting the guy, but seeing him on the bench with, uh, with Bouncy, I respect that. I think I respect that in a way that I think that may have been my first time seeing Ben Roethlisberger as a more selfless player because in that sentiment and in that, you know, sadness that he has, he was sad for his teammate. Yeah, yeah. He looked human for the first time. Yeah, and that was a, that was a side of Ben Roethlisberger I've never seen. Yeah. And it's probably anything you've never seen it too. So that was a that was a cool you know that was an experience and that was something to see very similar to my opinion to the Tom Brady thing. a one on one with a with a player that's probably retiring with another player and his genuine saying, "Dude, I'm sorry, you know I was out here you and we didn't have. I don't care about me, but I'm sorry we didn't this, win this for you." So that I think that gave me some brownie points um, for him. I respected that more than I thought I would have when I saw that. Um, don't get me wrong. I am not wishing that game went any other way. I am glad that it went the way that it did. Um, but it was cool to see some humility from uh, Ben Roethlisberger, although he did sit on the bench and you know, kind of pout when he could have been. Saying congratulations to the team that did show up and show out. So. Yeah, well... We went a little long-winded on our top five. We're running out of time here. So let's wrap this up. Let's talk about what I think is going to be an exciting championship weekend. I hear my dinner is ready. So let's make some picks. I'm going to give them to you. I told you the Buffalo Bills were winning the AFC. They win the AFC. They will play the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl, where the Green Bay Packers will hoist the Lombardi Trophy. What do you got for me? MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I think Tom Brady and uh, Gronkowski win. I do. I think that they beat the Packers next week. Um, And it's hard 
for me to, to go against the Bills Mafia at this point. I think they're probably the hottest team in the in the league going into the playoffs. So I've got to say, I've got to take the Bills. I think Patrick Mahomes plays. I think it's probably one of the games of the year. It'll be fun. I think Josh Allen, I, I think in the end, I think the way Josh Allen's playing is on a level similar, especially because Stephon Diggs is just out of this world. And the better defense is Buffalo. Yep. So that's where we that's are. Andy Reid. So yep. we'll see. Yep. So that's it for Championship Week. We will wrap up Championship Week, give you a very early Super Bowl preview. Uh, maybe we'll touch on the Super Bowl. We will wrap up the 2020 Cleveland Browns and 2020 New York Giants season next Thursday night. Um, most of you probably don't check this out till Friday or Saturday or at ever but anyway um we're <laughs> we will see you then um stay safe out there the world's a crazy place right now um I'm glad you could join us to escape from the crazy place that is the world right now talk about a little bit of football and i'll leave it off with this i'll sign off with this thank you browns thank you giants thank you nfl see you guys <laughs>